Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Haltech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Haltech. Good morning, Double A. It's great to be back for another episode of Haltech Hall. Should be a great one. We're going to be discussing the combine with my friend Aaron. Uh, later on in the show, we're, we're going to be bringing on a special guest, a first-time guest uh, to the Hall show, Stephen Letizia from Chicago Audible. He uh, also used to work and write for PFF.com, which is a huge uh, NFL database for all 32 teams. Uh, and then uh, our history segment, uh, we have uh, we started with the guys whose numbers have been retired, starting at number three, which was Bronco Nagurski, number five, George McAfee. And, of course, number seven was retired for none other than the Papa Bear. So uh, that's going to be a fun history segment. I hope you'll listen in. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, things are uh, trucking along. The combine came and went. Um, and, you know, the uh, the Bears uh, rumor mill continues to, uh, to churn away. Uh, it, it seems like, much like with Bears Twitter, if you – if you want a story or a person or uh, something to get a lot of attention and get a lot of action, you just throw the bears into the mix and watch it bubble over. Um, so that's what we've seen, you know, this week. It's, uh, you know, it went from David Carr um, you, or Derek Carr, excuse me. I do that all the time. That's like San Diego and L.A. Chargers. I'll just never get it right. Um, the... Um, <laughs> The, you know, you throw a picture up of uh, Khalil Mack and then you watch the rumor mill spin. Um, you know, this, this, then it went to, so Derek Carr was the, the quarterback uh, du jour. And now, um, you know, rumors that uh, the Bengals and Bears have uh, had conversations about Andy Dalton and people are spinning out over the idea that the Bears might trade um, even as much as a second round pick for for the for one year of Andy Dalton and then you you know continue down the line to you know would the Jaguars for some reason you know basically uh sort of give the Bears something to take Foles and his contract off their hands um and you know so it's just uh it just continues uh, it, it's another year of uh of quarterback questions for the Bears uh, I think we, we had one well, I don't know how many off seasons that we've had in the last 20 where we weren't uh, having a conversation about about who the quarterback was going to be. I guess the Cutler years were probably the most stable um, <laughs> that it's been in a while. 
We have made so many we, I'm sorry, I hate saying we. The Bears have made so many mistakes at the quarterback position going um, going all the way back to, the, to 1969 when they lost a coin toss uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers for the 1970 draft. Pittsburgh won the coin toss, literally won a coin toss. It selected Terry Bradshaw, and uh, the, the rest is... The rest is history. We ended up with Bobby Douglas as our quarterback in the early 70s. We went from Bobby Douglas to Bobby Avellini to Mike Phipps to Vince Evans. And, uh, you know, the dilemma just continued. John Hewart, um, you know, and then then it kind of got settled with Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon, of course, had a brief career with the team due to his injuries uh, his shoulder was never the same after he was slammed to the Soldier Field turf in the uh, late mid 80s by uh, the Green Bay Packer lineman that uh, will be, remain nameless. Then we went to you know John Harbaugh and and it, Moses Moreno and Henry Gurris and Steve Stenstrude and you know it's it's just been an absolute mess. Rex Grossman came in in the mid to uh, 2000s. Uh, Kyle Orton, and the list just went on and on and on. And it's, you know, like you said, Jay Cutler came in. I loved the trade when it happened. I, I thought for sure that was going to put us over the top. But one thing that Angelo didn't do that Pace is trying to do with Trubisky, he never surrounded him with talent. You, know, you had Johnny Knox and Devin Hester as your receivers. Uh, you know, all likable guys, but they were not, you know, wide receiver number one by any stretch of the imagination. So the the uh, the dilemma and the trepidation continues. Every single quarterback that has been uh, playing in the NFL that that has been listed as a free agent or even a possible trade has been linked to the Bears by one idiot or another, and it just gets old. And, of course, the mock draft, or I'm sorry, the, the mock drafts are coming out, and they're talking about a lot of the guys that played, uh, that, that showed themselves pretty well. Uh, Herbert moved himself way up in the eyes of uh, the experts with, with his performance, simply due to the fact that, that Tua and Burroughs didn't participate. So his draft stock rose like a skyrocket. Tua's draft stock rose just by the fact that he got a great um, grade from uh, from the doctors. You know, his, his hip is doing well. He's got normal blood flow. He should be, you know, he, he was cleared to, be, although he didn't participate, will be interesting to see what he does at, at uh, his pro day. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Is it? No, I'm sorry. Did I say hurt? It's hurts, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it hurts. So he he helped himself in in the uh, his his draft stock, uh, and a lot of uh, you know, at least a few mock drafts now have him going to the Bears at pick 43. Uh, there's a couple of other quarterbacks that I thought did themselves pretty well. Uh, the the kid Love and the kid out of Colorado Montez. I thought threw the ball really well. And with the second round of quarterbacks that performed on, uh, what was it, Sunday. So who knows? We have no idea what the Bears are going to do. 
uh, other than the fact that they have to do something because Trubisky, as we all know, and we've talked about on several episodes recently, he's the only QB on the Bears roster. So, yes, Pace and Nagy have to say he's our quarterback going into 2020, and he might very well be the quarterback going into 2020. But, um, you know, when Russell Wilson was drafted by Seattle, you know, they had a guy that they just paid a king ransom for in the uh, uh, you know free agency that was played for the Packers. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. That's that Flynn. That's the guy. You know, you know the, the, he, he played one time for Rodgers at the end of the season and, and threw for six touchdown passes. And he got a, you know, that, that part laid into a great contract. Uh, with with Seattle, and by the end of preseason, um, he was no longer the start, starting quarterback. And Russell Wilson, uh, you know, the rest is history for for Mr. Wilson. So, will we see something like that for the Bears in, in this year's training camp? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, the thing here's the thing about Dalton. I, the Bengals have to cut him. They can't, there's no there's there's zero trade value. To get Dalton, um, you, you, he's one year, 17.7 million dollars left on his deal. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense that nobody's trading for Dalton. Um, the Bears would be stupid to to jump out and do that ahead of time. Um, and you know, as far as falls, I mean, it's, it's the same deal. It's a huge contract. The Jaguars would be trying to unload it um, unless they really got motivated and wanted to send the Bears. Um, you know, like a second round or a third round pick, and then maybe we send back a sixth, and then, you know, they, you know, we end up. But my thing is this, is where I think Pace has, actually Pace's biggest mistake has been not taking quarterbacks in every draft, um, as he said he would do. It's okay to miss on a quarterback. That happens to to a lot of people. First round picks are about 50-50, so... Uh, I'm not, you know, it, it sucks for Trubisky and Pace that Mahomes and Watson ended up being so good, but that's not their fault either. Um, my my issue with Pace is that he, not only did he uh, take Trubisky, but he doubled down on the quarterback room by sticking with Bray, who's basically, the, I don't understand his purpose, and then also bringing in Chase Daniel, who's not really a viable backup. Um, although he has played pretty well when he's been in there, um, you know, they brought him in sort of as this coach. And so what you're left with, you know, is you're kind of stuck. So I feel like at this point, the best case scenario for them, really, unless they unless the dominoes start to fall, like let's say Brady goes to the Raiders, then Carr becomes available, then things change. I would be in favor of of, of making the move to acquire Derek Carr. But other than that. Maybe Brady goes to Tennessee and Tannehill becomes available. I mean, I don't know if you know if you want to pay twenty twenty five million dollars to Tannehill. I don't know. Um, I don't like any of the other guys. Mariota, Winston, you know, you name it. I'm not a huge fan of giving those guys money. I think Teddy Bridgewater is wildly overrated. I wouldn't pay him twenty million dollars a year either. Um, he's like you know like a just 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 a guy that's kind of like Flynn or kind of like some of these guys that you know uh, Matt Castle or 
some of these guys that, that had a, a, a little run and then gets paid, and I don't see it. So that, that what Pace and Nagy need to do, which I think is what they're going to do, is they've got to use the resources that they have and the draft picks that they have to make the team as good as possible. And hopefully it works out this season with Mitch. They've remade the coaching staff. Nagy's talked about redoing the scheme that's tailored to a little more towards the players' uh, strengths. Um, and then, you, and then I, but I firmly believe you must, you must, you must draft one of these quarterbacks. There's, you know, whether it's um, Hertz, who I'm, I'm really liking the more I've, you know, since, since I, since he had the good combine, I kind of went back and looked at him, and I really think that he could be, um, you know, uh, a guy that that really is is a is a good pick for them, um, or perhaps uh, Anthony Gordon out of Washington State or a Cole McDonald or Montez or something like that. I'm, I wouldn't be in favor of trading up, but you've got to take somebody and then I would have three quarterbacks on the roster. So then you bring in maybe a Matt Moore or a Keenum, um, you know, somebody relatively cheap. And then, you know, you go with what you go with. And I was just saying this morning on Twitter that I don't think that Pace and Nagy are on the hot seat as much as the Bears fans want to think or want to believe. I think that Ted and George are pretty happy with the direction of the organization. Um, they're 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 not as you know freaked out by the wins and losses. And I think as long as we don't go three and thirteen or have some sort of embarrassing you know scenarios or losses or something, I think Pace and Nagy are going to get another try another bite at the apple, so to speak, to, to maybe bring in, you know, Mitch's replacement. Now, whether it's Jalen Hurts at 43 or, you know, Jake Fromm in the fourth round, I don't like Fromm, but people do. Um, that I don't know. But what I would say is I think those guys are not going anywhere as quickly as some Bears fans might want to believe. And then that's fine. I, I wouldn't be in favor of blowing – this whole thing up because I don't think it's at that stage at all, even though eight and eight felt really bad. Um, and I, I like what Nagy said about that is that he know you know, he knows that eight and eight is, was a pure failure last season and they're not happy with that. And in, by any stretch of the imagination, whereas I think John Fox, you know, eight and eight was pretty good for him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, I don't think he, I don't think eight and eight would lose him any sleep. Like, I believe that Nagy and Pace have lost, you know, have been burning up since the season ended over that 8-8. Eight and eight. So that's what I would do is use your resources, get the team as good as you can get it. Hopefully, you know, hopefully Mitch turns the corner. Um, and, and you know, you, you I mean, that's the best case scenario, honestly. But if if not, then, you know, you, you maybe you drafted his replacement and then you keep going from there. It's it's so interesting, you know. There were some some reporters that were talking to other general managers, and they're of course talking about the Bears situation with Mitch, and and um, there's little faith in Mitch, but a few of them did, you know, come out and say, but well, had no offensive line in front of him. So, what do you do? It's it's it was such a lost year because the defensive the you know the defense struggled at first uh, they played well against Green Bay they played well against Washington they struggled in, in a few other games obviously the drop off in 
turnovers production was absolutely you know huge and you know the bears the bears went through part of the season where they had like 40 some odd drives where they did not start did not start in the opposing territory they always started on their side of the 50 yard line so you're you know it's it's a longer field and with the uh, the struggles of our offensive line particularly at right guard uh, it was, you know, it was shameful. And then, of course, there was absolutely no production from our tight ends. It, you know, so it's it becomes the chicken or the egg argument. Is Mitch, the Mitch we saw against Tampa, against the Jets, against Detroit a few times, against Dallas, uh, you know, on national television last year, is is that the guy that we can see more often than not when he has a good defense offensive line in front of him? Uh, or is he the guy that, you know, threw four touchdowns or what he threw three or four interceptions against the Rams in 18, struggled against the, the Packers both times this past year? Uh, we just, you know, that's what is so frustrating about our quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is that he's a guy who, and somebody said this the other day, is that. He, he basically is Andy Dalton, <laughs> a younger Andy Dalton. He's a guy that when he has the right weapons and things are in place around him, he can definitely succeed. Um, but he is not a transcendent guy who's going to, you know, uh, his play is not going to mask any deficiencies. Um, so I think 2018 was a bit of a... Um, you know, a, a false positive in the sense that those all those turnovers and the defense playing at this historic level kind of masked um, the deficiencies of Mitch and the offense. The offense was not good in 2018. Nagy did not deliver on his promise of, of giving us a, a top offense. Um, it just wasn't good. And, and it wasn't just Mitch. It was everything. So and then in 2019, that just continued. Um, so it's not all just Mitch. It would be much easier if they had this great running game and they had this great defense and then Mitch was just this guy who keeps throwing picks at bad times. Then it's easy to say, you know, um, you know, that's, that's it. Um, my thing is this, is that I feel like, you know, the, 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 the issue is, we are not just a quarterback away. So you can't afford with your limited resources to go all in on a quarterback. Like that's, that's not where we're at. You know, uh, we just aren't, we're just not at that point. I would love to believe that people are, you know, out here saying, well, you know, well, we need a safety. We need a right guard. We need a tackle. We need a tight end or two. We need a third running back. We need a replacement receiver for Taylor Gabriel. We need a cornerback to replace the Mukamar. Okay, well, then you need that $20 million that you're supposedly going to give to Andy Dalton. Yes, you need that. Like, you can't just give that money away and act like Andy Dalton is the thing that's going to mask all those other deficiencies. That is not who Andy Dalton is. That is not who Nick Foles is. You know, Nick Foles is catch a caught lightning in a bottle uh, with a defense in Philly that was 
great with offensive line that was great with running backs and receivers that were playing great with a top tight end. Nick Foles had all the toys, had all the things. I mean, you know, and at the end of the day, Nick Foles doesn't beat the Bears in the playoffs if Eddie Jackson and Trey Burton are in that game. So, you know, you could take that off of Nick Foles' resume. Uh, why the Jackson, why Jacksonville, I mean, here's the other thing that's going on is that there's a disturbing parallel between the Bears and Jacksonville. The Bears, Jacksonville paid Bortles based off a of one 10-6 season where he put up a bunch of stats. And he had a couple of years where he put up some really good stats, um, you know, and, and last offseason, all the people that we called the Mitch haters were bringing this up, saying Mitch is very similar to Blake Bortles. Be careful. The Bears are very similar to the Jaguars. And we were like, no, that's ridiculous. We're the greatest. Well, it's all kind of coming home to roost. And the Jaguars made the the big mistake of putting huge investments into the quarterback into the defense, into, you know, everything that they thought was going to be the ticket for them to go to the next level to become a Super Bowl team. And now they're screwed. I mean, they've been and they've been chasing. So now they're trading off assets. Jalen Ramsey's gone. They're going to lose um, Nagoku or whatever that guy's name is. They just traded Boye, their cornerback, to the to the Broncos. You know, it's it's very you can fall very quickly. Um, so what what I think the Bears would make a huge mistake right now chasing with this idea that they're a quarterback away. We were not a kicker away last year, and this year we are not a quarterback away. You've just got to continue to make smart, sustainable choices that make your team better, and then hopefully, you know, their level of play raises. Uh, what, what gives me hope, I guess, for next year is that I do – I think that they've made really strong choices with the offensive coaches. And I think that those guys that are now in that room are going to make whoever is the quarterback better than the previous group did. So um, that's, you know, and and I just think Nagy is, and I, and I think it, once the season starts, it's, it's Nagy's show. Nagy is at the point with Mitch where, He's talked about a couple of things. He's talked about DeFlippo taking the gloves off and, you know, and he's going to have a different mentality this year. I think there's not going to be any more protecting Mitch. Um, you know, they're going to take away the binky and the bottle and it's going to, <laughs> you know, it's going to be, hey, kid, it's time to walk. It's time to chew. It's time to poop on the big potty. And and no more of this, you know, we're going to blame the receivers every time, you know, something doesn't go right. And, you know, that's that's just going to be what it's going to be. And that's good. You know, it's time to play big boy football. I mean, I, you know, I, I was saying the other day that it's time for the Bears to be something other than a third museum down at there at, at, at uh, Grant Park, you know. And that's kind of what they've been for a long time is like you got the field museum, you got the planetarium and then you got the big football museum where once great football players played and championships were won, you know, and it's, you know, it's so it's time for put up or shut up year. And I think they're I think they're in a good spot to make that happen. Um, They just need to not get stupid and and, you know, basically dumpster dive for somebody else's mistakes 
Wow. Well, how do I how do I come back with anything after that? Yeah. <laughs> that was that was quite a quite a rant. So um, the the other position of need, uh, and before I get to that, um, I've been I've been scouring through some mock drafts while we've been on the air, and there's only two quarterbacks that are showing up uh, on mock drafts for the Bears. One is, uh, then you mentioned them both. Jalen Hurts is one. Fromm is the other. So Fromm didn't uh, exactly impress with his accuracy at the combine, uh, where Hertz showed very well at the combine. So, uh, you know, I'm sure both will have pro days coming up here shortly. The the other position of need, uh, the Bears started to address a little bit with a, a signing of a of a tight end already, which won't be made official for another two weeks. Uh, but tight end is is a position that is pretty much unanimous across the mock drafts, and and it seems like uh, the Bears are are linked in most of these mock drafts to one of three of the the tight ends that are out there, and that of course is Cole Komet out of Notre Dame, uh, Trotman, and and Hunter Bryant are the names that are most often used. On on these draft uh, mock draft databases, comments about tight end. Uh, I I don't think that they should chase and spend a lot of money on Austin Hooper. Um, I I like him, uh, but I don't like him at twelve million dollars a year. Although there was part of me that felt like maybe it would be a decent idea to to get a guy like him now because what's going to happen with tight ends is that Kelsey and Kittle are about to reset the market on them a little bit um, because when they get their new deals, it's going to be you know it's going to be 15 million dollar tight ends um, and the salary cap's going to go up even more when the when the collective bargaining agreement gets signed, which looks like it's probably going to. So there's that side of things. I just don't think that Hooper <clears throat> is a guy that should command that kind of money. I'd rather see them spend maybe. I do think they need to add one more in free agency. I'd like, or or via trade. I'd like to see maybe Ebron at seven or eight million dollars, or maybe you can work a trade for uh, O.J. Howard or Cameron Brait from uh, Tampa, Hayden Hurst from. The Ravens is somebody that's been talked about as a potential uh, trade that could be had. Um, Hunter Henry's going to get the franchise tag on him, so that's not really that he can, you can cross him off um, as far as a guy that people would want because he's probably the top of the free agent market. Now, as far as the draft guys, I like Komet. I would be happy with Komet. I think he's solid. Uh, he is not a great blocker, but you just picked up Demetrius Harris for that, so that's fine. Um, uh, I think they hope that Burton's hip surgery is going to be the ticket. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but the, that the, the, the type of injury that he has is something that can, can show up as a groin or a hernia, but in, in fact, it's actually the hip. So that could be, hopefully that's, I mean, that's what we need to have happen is that we need that investment for Burton to, to pay off. And when, when he was going good, he was good. I mean, it's not, he had a really good first half of 2018. Um, you know, so that's what we need to have happen. Um, Troutman, I like Troutman did really well at the combine. 
Uh, he impressed. I've I've heard that Hunter Bryant's stock dropped at the combine. Um, the other guy that people liked was Albert O, who's got a crazy last name that I can't pronounce out of Missouri. Um, he's he's pretty good. Um, he might be somebody worth looking at. Uh, also, um, the uh, there's the other receiver from Notre Dame that people want to 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 train, to to look at at tight end. He's a big guy. I'm not thinking of his name. Claypool. Yeah, Claypool. So that, that guy intrigues me. That yeah, that guy intri- he can line up. You know, he yeah. he's a lot like. Um, you know, the, the, and I can't think of his Kittle. He's a lot mm-hmm. like Kittle in that he can line up outside on Great. the edge. He can line up at tight end. He can line up in the slot. Yeah. He's big. He catches the ball. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Yeah. When you when you look at the we we just finished talking about quarterbacks and the fact that that we have one quarterback on the roster. Even though if you go to ChicagoBears.com right now, they still list Chase Daniel. Uh, as uh, as a quarterback on the team, but just listen to this laundry list of tight ends that are currently either on the roster, um, signed to a futures contract, <laughs> yeah. or currently being shown on injured reserve. Yeah. Demetrius Harris, J.P. Holtz, Jesper Horstead, Eric Saubert, Bradley Soule, who's no longer going to be with the team, uh, Darian Clark out of South, South, uh, Southern California, uh, Dax Raymond. Those are your guys on the, uh, the futures. And then you've got Ben Broniker, Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen, soon to be former bear Adam Shaheen yeah. that are all, all still listed as, uh, players on the injured reserve. So one quarterback to what did I list eight or nine tight ends and they still don't have the position, right? So it's going to be, you know, that's definitely got to be an area of concern because the tight end is kind of the, the swizzle stick of this Kansas city, Philadelphia, Chicago bears, Nagy Reed offense. A good tight end play is critical in, in this type of offense. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think uh, Colt Komet seems to be the guy uh, that the Bears uh, are looking at at the at the draft. It's uh, but it's you know it's it's going to be interesting because it just you know it, we just don't know you know yeah. you know I, Ryan I, Ryan Pace keeps his his cards close to the vest and until yeah. you know until draft day. So it's it's going to be interesting to see exactly what he does. Well, and that's the other thing I think about this time of year is that people need to remember is that if you're hearing about it, it's probably because somebody wants you to hear about it. So if all the information we're hearing about the Bears, I would say about 50 percent of it is because the Bears would like us to hear it. The rest is, you know, maybe 30 percent is is um, the agents and the players of people that are out there and free agent that want us to hear it. And then the rest is all commentary on the other 80 percent. Like it's it's. 
you know, once again, we we all really had no idea that that Pace was going after Khalil Mack. We really had no clue about Mitch Trubisky. We really had no clue about Eddie Jackson. Nobody knew who Tariq Cohen was before he drafted him. We didn't, you know, people speculated about Dave Montgomery, but nobody knew who Adam Shaheen was. I mean, people, you know, they're, they're in mock drafts, and, I mean, it's not like nobody knew, but nobody was predicting the Bears to make a lot of these picks. So I don't think you can really, you know, read the tea leaves very well with pace. Um, you know, I would just say that I would hope and I would think that maybe pace is thinking more in along the lines of, okay, it's time to get guys with a little bit higher floor and a little bit maybe lower ceiling that can really step in. Now, the other thing that, that, that and I think you were probably going to get to this next is, offensive line so you know they've got to you know they've got to address that now to me that's another reason why you don't go out and pay a, qu- a quarterback a bunch of money because there's a lot of decent offensive linemen out there on the free agent market and the guards are now very expensive um you know and so you you're gonna have to spend 10 million dollars on one of the you know top tier guards i mean you're not gonna get tunny from from the patriots I and mean, he's probably a $15 million guard, but you know, there's some lower tier guys who you could, you know, so that's, I would much rather, if I'm going to spend $20 million, give me a badass guard and a, and a tight end for that $20 million. And I'll ride with Mitch for one more season to see if he can do something with those guys rather than not having those guys and throw you know, Andy Dalton in the mix. Cause we know what Andy Dalton is without any talent. He sucks. <laughs> like, so it's, it's just, you know, that's where, that's where I think you have to be at. And so, you know, uh, but the other thing about this draft, that's, that's interesting is that it is deep with running backs and wide receivers. This is a, this is a deep wide receiver draft. Um, there's talent of all different shapes and sizes and, and speeds. And so, you know, if pace is really thinking best player available, I would not be surprised and nobody should really be surprised if he ends up taking, you know, um, a wide receiver, um, if they fall, um, to him or even a running back. I mean, the Wisconsin kid could end up somehow falling and that would be, I mean, that wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't, necessarily be mad about that either yeah jonathan taylor is the running back you're talking about and living in wisconsin i had the pleasure of watching his entire career at the university of wisconsin and the guy just is amazing one of the knocks that was on him was he wasn't used very much in the passing game and he surprised a lot of people at the combine with his catching ability so yeah his i'm sure his stock moved up in the draft as well one of the things that um, that I, I'm looking at is uh, former guest on our show Zach Pearson uh, of the of the BearReport.com is keeping track on who he knows the Bears have had meetings with, mm-hmm. whether it was at uh, a private workout or at the East West Shrine game or of course at the combine. Uh, they did speak with with Jake Fromm at the combine. The only other quarterback on his uh, tracker right now is a quarterback out of Bowling Green, uh, James Morgan. Uh, running back, Darius Anderson out of TCU. 
only running back so far. Here's your wide receivers. Joe Reed from Virginia. Benjamin Victor from Ohio State. Jawan Jennings from Tennessee. Van Jefferson out of Florida. Gabriel Davis from UCF. So there's a, that, that's a, there's, there's a few names on that list that they had talked to that really showed well at the combine. Right. Mm-hmm. When you look at when you look at tight ends, uh, surprisingly, Cole Komet's not on the list. Uh, Dalton Keene, Virginia Tech, Adam Trotman out of Dayton, Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue, and Jared Pinckney from Vanderbilt. Bryson Hopkins is a guy whose name we haven't mentioned yet, and you know, I kind of like the guy. You know, he was what second in in the, all of FBS in catches. Second in yards, third in touchdowns. Uh, yeah. He's he does have a, a build that's similar to George Kittle out of San Francisco. So so you got you got Trotman, you got Bryant, you got Komet, uh, you've got Bryson Hopkins. So there's there's several choices mm-hmm. that should be available to the Bears when they pick in the second round. Right. Well, and and I think uh, Hopkins only the the main knock on him would be blocking, um, but again, I I don't know, you know, if if you address your offensive line properly, I don't think that's going to be that big of an issue. Yeah. I mean, you know, Hopkins is a guy that just you know he's he was the thing about Hopkins is people say, well, they were feeding him the ball so much. It's like, well, who else did Purdue have? So you know, if 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 he's the guy that defenses are keying on and he's still getting catches i mean i think that's a good that that shouldn't be a knock uh as far as the offensive line you know looking at this list uh stenberg from kentucky is somebody that that they talk to and i I think he's a guy that that people like a lot um and then um you know i I also i mean they didn't talk to him supposedly but but you know austin jackson from from uh, usc could be somebody that that they um they can get um you know so it, it it's going to be interesting i just wonder if if these uh shiny skill position guys end up dropping to pace in the second round is he going to be able to pass them up <laughs> here's an interesting scenario what if the best offensive lineman on the board when it comes time for the bears to draft is a center right Okay, you've got you've got Cody Whitehair that can play both. So what about moving Whitehair to one of the guard positions and drafting a top-notch center? Absolutely, who kno- I think, who, I think you knows? have to do that. Yeah, but I, I would say you have to do that. I mean, you, you can't. I mean, to me, you can't make um, the comfort level of Mitch be a driving force anymore. I mean, I don't think that was the reason that Daniels got didn't succeed at center or that did that end up happening i think it was just that he can't he's not vocal enough to and and advanced enough to id the coverages and move the protection and whatnot so that's you know uh, that's what happened there but but yeah I, I would you know i mean it says in the list they met with this Hennet, matt hennessy guy from temple uh who's the center but yeah i mean if somebody's you know i think no matter what if you're targeting offensive line and and your best player available uh, at that time has to be is offensive line. You take a tackle. You you take your your best offensive lineman on the board, no matter where he's at. I don't think I think if you they would make a mistake by going. We need offensive line and we need guard. 
let's only take the best guard. I think you take the best offensive because realistically, they need tackle too. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm not sold on uh, Leno and Massey long term. I, I think that they can both have bounce back seasons, but again, that's that's something that they've got to be thinking about as well. When you look at Leno, he had a he had a decent year in 18. Uh, he he didn't have a bad year in 19, other than penalties, right? Which is something that you this is a coachable. You know, that's a critique that you can coach out of a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistically, he played well, according to you know you when you look at some of the the stats that some of our experts out there have thrown out. Leno wasn't exactly the worst tackle in the league. You know, right. He, the, the pass protection in general wasn't actually that terrible. Um, and as you you can go on Windy City Gridiron and look at Lester's breakdown of all the sacks, and, and you'll see that a lot of the sacks that happened, in the it, it weren't all on the offensive line. Um, and I think that if they... Nagy and Mitch and the offensive team can do a lot to help um, the offensive line be put into better situations. Um, So I think that it's not a matter of when you're talking about Massey and Leno, it's not a matter of these guys necessarily forgetting how to play. Massey was hurt. That's part of it. And he had the vertigo issues. But it's not that they forgot how to play. I just think that when you when you basically have no tight ends. And then, you know, you've got Mitch struggling and you can't run the ball. Then the pressure just gets greater and greater on all of them. And then Kyle Long disappears and you put a converted defensive tackle at guard. And, you know, it's just the list goes on and on of all the yeah. all the things they had stacked against them. And hey, don't and, forget, Aaron, yeah. don't forget that that your your tackle didn't play offense. He was a defensive lineman mm-hmm. that was a project back on offense, and then they had to shove him in at right guard. Right. And you know, he down the he had a lot of problems early, and right. down the stretch he started to play a little bit better. One of the things that when you saw some of these these highlights, film clips, Olin Krutz is amazing at what he does. There were a couple times where where it was a it was a run, and the center and, and Coward uh, is double teaming an offensive lineman, and then he's supposed to, he being Coward, supposed to drop off and, and get into the second level and, and pick off whether it's a safety or a linebacker in the hole, and he didn't do it. And Montgomery or Cohen ended up running right into that particular defender. So it's it was just a mess. Right. So does another year of seasoning make Coward a better player? You know, he, he actually didn't perform terribly in a situation he had never played in before. Right. So, you know, again, it's it's just, it's a guessing game. It's a mystery. It's what are we going to do with, with who we have? Well, and I, and I think that's why he stand isn't here anymore because I think that they realize that they can't run that type of zone blocking scheme where basically you have you know a sort of a combination of double teams and as you said one guy is supposed to drop off or go to the second level you know it's it's complicated they need to simplify things and and just you know have more straight ahead hat on hat 
straight ahead blocking, you know, get guys moving. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of teams and the Bears will be one of them that go uh, and look a lot more like Shanahan offense in San Francisco where um, it's, you know, it's more of if we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. Um, and if we're not, it's going to be play action, but it's going to look the same. And and it, what it allows that to do is let the offensive linemen get ahead of steam and, you know, hit somebody. I think that the problem is that with the, with the he stand kind of blocking, it's a little finesse and it's a little, um, you know, too complicated for the, for the level of player that they had. Um, and then you factor in a rookie running back. And I think that was a, two things that pace made a mistake on well three one that he thought mike davis was going to be able to be something and he wasn't for whatever reason two was they 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 shouldn't have assumed that dave montgomery was just going to pick things up as quickly as he did and i don't think dave montgomery had a bad season the guy almost had 900 yards but three the whole experiment of turning Sowell into a tight end left them without that swing tackle and I think Sowell was 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 much more valuable as that. Um, and you know, basically they just like off of one trick play fell in love with the idea of Sowell as a tight end because they're so desperate at tight end. And you know, and why did that happen? Well, that happened because you whiffed on Shaheen and and Trey Burton got hurt. So things start to snowball, um, and that's what happens when you start chasing. So, you know, it's it's just it, it, it's all connected football more than any other sport is there's is everybody's connected. You know, everything matters in terms of, you know, what what happens on a play um, and w- w- the success of a play really depends on every single guy on the field. It's not like basketball where you can just get one guy and all of a sudden without even practicing, he can go out and score 30 points in his first game on the team and change the whole team. absolutely we are going to pause for a a message from our sponsor ticksplits.com and when we come back i have a special interview with chicagoaudible.com Stephen letizia and maybe he can provide a little bit more clarity to all the things that aaron and i have been talking about on the first half of our show we'll be right back after a message from ticksplits.com so you're looking for great ticket deals. Who isn't? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere thanks again to our sponsor ticksplits.com you can catch them at ticksplits.com you can download their app on any of your devices just search for t-i-x-b-l-i-t-z and don't forget to use the promo code tailgate that's t-a-i-l-g-a-t-e all in caps and you will save five percent on your order at ticksplits.com every ticket every venue everywhere we are so proud to bring on for the first time at the Halitech Hall show uh, from Chicago Audible. He used to work for PFF.com, uh, draft uh, expert, uh, Steve <laughs> Letizia. Steve, welcome to the show. 
Uh, thanks, Michael. I'm uh, happy to be here. I don't know about draft expert, but I try my best. So, <laughs> but I'm excited to talk Bears and we excited to talk the draft and it should be a good time. It is. Uh, it's always a good time to talk Bears. Uh, I don't know if you can you can see behind me, but uh, have a little bit of uh, uh, Bears paraphernalia. Absolutely. Uh, on my uh, in my man cave. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yep, I've I, uh, I've been a Bears fan since I was in diapers. Uh, thanks to my dad. And uh, even though I live in Wisconsin now, just across the border from Freeport, Illinois, uh, born and bred and will never change my stripes. So welcome, right to the show. welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks. Aaron and I earlier uh, in our show, Aaron can't be with us for this interview, but we were we've been talking draft. We've been talking combine. We thought it would be a great time to bring you on board to, to bring in your expertise. So what were your thoughts uh, uh, on the Combine? Who impressed you at the Combine that you didn't think you were going to, to uh, walk away from with uh, some good vibes? Yeah, so I tried to focus mostly on the positions that would interest the Bears. So um, obviously, you know, that's offensive playmakers, wide receiver, tight end, uh, offensive linemen edge rushers and, and defensive backs. That's, those are kind of the positions that I focus on. Um, and at the water receiver position, a couple guys really, really uh, uh, impressed me. And I, I wasn't, some of them I kind of expected, some of them I didn't. Uh, but one of the guys I think you have to talk to if you're talking about the combine, you got to talk about Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. Um, he's the uh, 6'4", 238. So he's kind of, uh, some people have talked about moving to tight end. I think that would be a good idea. Uh, although I think he kind of proved at the combine that he could play wide receiver as well. Uh, so he ran that 4-4-2 with a 40 and a half vertical, vertical leap. So he, he really surprised me. I, I didn't think he'd run that fast. I didn't think he'd be, be that athletic. Um, I kind of, like I said, I kind of wanted to see him work out the tight ends, but he kind of proved he could, uh, he could play that wide receiver position, but maybe also, uh, work as a move tight end. So he really impressed me. I think he put himself in play for the bears and in, in the second round. Um, so he, he'd be, a, he'd be a great pick if, if they decide to go there, right? Either as a wide receiver or a tight end. The bears of course, don't have a first round uh, draft choice this year. They have the 43rd and the 50th pick overall. Uh, tight end seems to be uh, just a hot topic on most of the draft uh, mock drafts. I've, I've been looking at, uh, a lot of names out there uh, as far as, as drafting Komet, uh, Bryson, Hopkins, uh, there's uh, Harrison Bryant, uh, Troutman. Who do you think is going to be there in round two, or is it going to be Claypool? Uh, was it, in terms of tight end is probably the position I've watched the most of this year because I do think it is one of the Bears' biggest needs. And I, you named kind of all the guys you named there. I think every single one of them will be there when the Bears pick in the second round. The only one who I think might as a, have a chance of being gone is Cole Komet from Notre Dame. Um, he is my number one tight end. I like him a lot. Um, he hasn't. Um, he, he did really well at the combine, a lot better than I expected. Um, I think he kind of won the combine in terms of the tight end position, as long as you don't um, think of Claypool as a tight end. Uh, but he's my number one tight end. He's he's pretty raw, but but he has the upside uh, you want with this size and athleticism combo. So I like him. Um, he'd be a, he's really the only tight end in this draft that I would be happy if the Bears put, picked in the second round. 
Um, the other guys, like you mentioned, Troutman, I like him. He's my my tight end too. He had pretty, he had an okay combine, uh, nothing crazy. Um, and then another guy I like, and Bryson Hopkins as well, I like him too. Um, another guy you mentioned is Harrison Bryant. Um, he, I was not the biggest Harrison Bryant fan coming into the combine. I know a lot of people really like him, um, but he he did not have a great combine, so I've soured on him kind of even even a little bit more. Um, he came in at only 243, and also and and he ran a decently fast 40 at 473. But his vertical bench broad jump three cone, they were all sub sub uh, below average. So I've kind of soured on him a little bit. But Komet, Troutman, Hopkins, I think those are my top three tight ends right now. Quarterback is going to be. It seems like it it never ends. Heron and I were talking about it going all the way back to the to the 70s and you know we lost the chance i don't know you weren't alive when they actually literally lost a coin toss in in front of the 1970 draft to pittsburgh and pittsburgh ended up drafting terry bradshaw with their number one pick they the bears and and the steelers tied for the worst record in the league in 69 with a one and 13 record and then the, the Bears turned around and traded their the second overall to the Packers for for you know th- like three three players that were all at the end of their career, which absolutely made no sense. But uh, uh, in the the core, there's there's two kind of uh, you know uh, viewpoints out there right now. You draft a quarterback, or you pick up one in in free agency, and and of course. For the most part, every single free agent on the market has been linked to the Bears by some idiot or some maybe they think they're not idiots uh, in in the in the Twitter world. Uh, and then when it comes to to quarterback, uh, I saw pre combine a lot of talk about Love and Montez maybe coming to the Bears later in the draft, but then Jalen Hurts. Put up some different, uh, some some interesting and respectable numbers, and kind of moved his name into that second round, maybe at the 50th pick. Yeah, I, I, Love I think is probably going to be gone be, by, before the Bears pick, uh, but Hertz uh, definitely will probably be there um, uh, in the second round. Uh, he did have a great combine, four, five, nine, 35 inch vertical, so he 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 proved that he has the athleticism. But I'm not sure how much it boosted his stock for me at least because. If you watch uh, Jalen Hurts, you knew he was athletic. Everyone knows he's athletic. It's it's his processing that really uh, that really is is questionable. So I do I do think it's a possibility the Bears take him, and I'd be okay with that. Um, him, uh, but uh, I think they probably are better off waiting in the draft. Drafted one later on as a developmental guy, and then going to either the free agency or even possibly a trade route for a quarterback. Well, let's let's discuss trade for a minute. I sure. am firmly in the corner of the Bears don't have enough draft capital in order to to move up or to trade for uh, for a quarterback. Uh, I guess we have to wait. The free agency, the new season begins two weeks from today, and uh, you know, it, once Brady lands somewhere, the the dominoes are going to start falling. So, um, you know, in my point of view, I think the, there's only two guys that I think are worth looking at as far as the free agents are concerned or even draft uh, tr- uh, or trade trade potentials, and that's Tannehill and Bridgewater are the only mm-hmm. two guys that I see fitting into Nagy's system and doing a good job. And now, of, of course, 
at the combine, uh, Foles has now seemingly become available. Uh, right. it's, it's going to be interesting because if, uh, and then of course there was all the talk about, uh, about Andy Dalton and the bears talking to Cincinnati about him makes no sense to trade for him because if the, if Cincinnati does indeed go with the quarterback with the first overall pick, he has, there is no, there's no, there's no trade urgency for any team to make a move with Cincinnati currently because it's a, it's definitely going to be a wait and see because he might end up being a cap casualty and a cut before, uh, before camp opens up your thoughts. No, I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. I don't think the bears should trade um, a pick for a quarterback, uh, especially with Andy Dalton. I mean, he's making, like you said, they, the Bengals have no leverage there. They don't need to trade a pick. Uh, the only way I would do that is if it was like a sixth or seventh round pick, just so you can make sure you get him and you don't have to worry about competing with other people in free agency. Um, but uh, uh, Tannehill and Bridgewater, guys, I, I do like. Um, I think Bridgewater, I think Bridgewater and Tannehill might price themselves out of the Bears' range. Um, I'm I'm not a cap expert. I'm not a, a salary expert, so I won't pretend to be. But I do think they're going to get a bigger contract that I would be willing to give. Um, uh, I do think I know uh, you mentioned Nick Foles. I actually am kind of intrigued by trading for Nick Foles because I think you can actually get a pick back from the Jaguars to take on his contract. So that one I'm intrigued about, um, but I kind of agree with you. I think Andy Dalton is the best option, but only if it's in a, in a sign scenario or trade, just a seventh round pick for him. They'd have to extend him to absorb a lot of that salary. And, and it's rumors are abounding that say that uh, maybe Cincinnati's going to pay part of his salary if he becomes available in a trade. So sure. who knows, you know, the, the quarterback, uh, the quarterback spot, the bears have not gotten right since Johnny Lujak in the fifties. Uh, and before him, of course, we had the great Sid Luckman, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I guess we'll see two weeks from now is, uh, by the, by the time, uh, you know, well, as we're airing recording this uh, at seven o'clock in the evening, the, f the first day of, uh, of free agent signings, uh, it will already be half over. So it'll be interesting to see when, when we started the interview, uh, Steve, you also talked about a little bit about an edge rusher, about a safety, about offensive line. Who are you looking at at the combine as a good fit for the Bears at those positions? So let's start with the edge rusher. Sure. So edge rusher uh, is a position that I was pretty disappointed with at the combine. Um, I thought it was a weak class going in, but a lot of the guys who I thought were going to do really well, Julian Aguara, uh, Chase on, who's probably a first rounder, uh, Terrell Lewis, they didn't even test. Um, so those are, were pretty much the athletic freaks. They didn't really test. So it was a little disappointing to see the edge rushers, but there were some guys who, who stood out to me. Uh, one guy who I, I've really liked, I lo love his tape. Um, and I, and he did really well at the combine is Alex Highsmith from Charlotte. Um, he's probably a guy who he might, he's, it's kind of an awkward situation because he's probably a third, fourth rounder and the bears don't have a pick until a comp pick in the fourth round. So they might have to trade back if they want in the second round, if they want to get him. Uh, but I thought he he looked fantastic. He moved well, a little bit undersized, but he 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 makes up with it up for it with athleticism, strength, and everything like that. So he he's a target that I would I would go for. Uh, another guy who impressed me, who who I was a little bit on the fence with his tape, is Elton Robinson from Syracuse. Um, he shows some flashes, but overall he's pretty raw. Um, but he showed out uh, athletically, um, so he he had a very good combine. So I. I 
I feel like he would be kind of in that same range, maybe a little bit after Alex Highsmith for me. Uh, but those two guys really stood out to me. Um, and then another guy who who I liked, uh, I liked his tape a lot, but he he didn't really test very well as Bradley uh, Anai, I think it's Anai, uh, from Utah. Uh, he kind of tested as a poor athlete. I didn't think he was going to be a great athlete, but he tested a little bit poorer than I thought. So I'm, I'm kind of a little bit lower on him than I was pre-combine. When the Bears uh, look at the draft and maybe free agency at the safety position, uh, Haha Clinton Dix may return to the Bears. We have no idea of knowing that, but I think that that it didn't work for the Bears with with Clinton Dix in the lineup because he's he's basically a clone, uh, a lesser Eddie Jackson, and Eddie Jackson needs to get back to what he does best, which is being in the you know, the center fielder of this defense with his with his ball hawking abilities. But all too often, he was up in the box way too often. And mm-hmm. I think that, in part, was some of the reasons why we had such a, a dismal turnover. Right? You know, our turnovers... You know, in nineteen in twenty twenty eighteen, were phenomenal, and everybody predicted a drop off. But I don't think anybody predicted that the drop off would be as severe as it was. So, sure. they, they, I think they need to find a safety in this draft or in free agency that can attack the line of scrimmage, can attack the box. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I would 100% agree with that. They need to find someone who's more of a box safety, uh, but who someone who can still cover. Because you have in this league, you have to have both your savers, safeties cover nowadays. Uh, but you're right. You want someone who's more comfortable playing close to the line of scrimmage, maybe in those underneath the underneath zones, um, so you can just have Eddie Jackson roaming the center field, like you said. Uh, so two guys uh, that stood out to me, and two guys who strongly uh, put their names in that second round conversation are Jeremy Chin from. Um, uh, is it Southern Illinois, I believe? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I was, like, I was blank on that for a second, but yeah, he, he had a great combine. He um, ran the four fours, I believe 41 inch vertical, uh, 20 bench reps, uh, 138 inch broad jump. He, he really uh, impressed me. I knew he was going to be athletic. I did not think he was going to be that athletic. Uh, so he moved up uh, a little bit for me. Um, so I really like him a lot. And the other guy is, um, is uh, Kyle Duggar. So it's another small school guy. Uh, from Lane or Ryan, I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, so he's a very small school guy, um, also a super ath- superb athlete. Uh, both of them are guys who are probably more of that safety linebacker hybrid role, which I think is what kind of the Bears need. But both of them have enough athleticism to cover slot receivers, cover tight ends, uh, man cover, zone cover, cover. So I like both of them a lot, and both of them have, have proven proved at the combine that they have the athleticism coming from smaller schools to compete against NFL level athletes. The Athletic came out with uh, a mock uh, earlier today in Kyle Duggar and Cole Komet were their two, their two second-round picks, so I'm glad you, you ended up bringing him up. The Bears, I believe, currently have 12, if I'm not mistaken, offensive linemen on their roster, be it in uh, the roster right now, the way it's configured, it shows reserve future signees, roster signees, and players that were still uh, yeah, showing as injured reserve. Uh, do they have enough offensive linemen in that mix that that they they don't need to dabble in, into the draft? You know, you've got you know, Alex Barris now two years removed from his knee. Uh, everybody seemed to be real high on him coming out of uh, summer camp. 
uh, but then he spent most of his his first year on the practice squad. Uh, Coward was a project that switched from defensive line to offensive line and was supposed to be penciled in as a tackle. They forced him into the lineup at guard, and he struggled mightily, especially when he was supposed to come off of double team blocks and get to the yeah. second level. Uh, but he's another year removed, doing nothing but guard work. Do they draft? We talked about this earlier in the show. Do they draft a center and move white hair to guard? So you have you have white hair and Daniels as your two excellent guards with with a, a drafted center in between them. Yeah, so uh, I to, I like Alex Bars a lot. Uh, I think he's he has a chance to be a very good player. Um, so. I don't know if you can count on him to plug and play right away as a starter, though. I think he's a guy you want to bring in some competition for. Uh, Coward, I think, is a is a decent backup, and he'll probably be nothing more than that. But in terms of the draft, um, I I don't think they should um, draft a center. I, there's some of the best interior offensive linemen in, in this draft are centers, uh, but I like the idea of actually James Daniels back at center as long as he gets a snap aim under control. I think that's probably his best position. Put Cody Whitehair at guard and then draft an interior offensive lineman. Um, and th- there are a couple of intriguing guys. Um, one guy who stood out to me was a small school guy who really wasn't on my radar at all. Uh, but Danny Pinter from Ball State, uh, he had a great combine tested as, as an elite athlete. Um, I started looking at his tape. I still have a lot to, to dig into, but he looks like he's a pretty good mover. I think he'd, he'd fit in well with the Bears at guard. Um, so I think they're going to have to draft a guard, whether it might not be in the second round, but they, at some point they have to they have to draft an offensive lineman. Any other uh, areas of need uh, in positions at the combine that uh, guys that impressed you? Uh, yeah, just one other offensive line of this. He's actually a tackle, um, but uh, Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, um, he tested really well. He's a guy I liked before the combine, um, and he tested uh, very, very well as a, one of the most elite athletes along the offensive line. Um, so he, he's a guy, I think he's moved into that second round range. If the Bears... The Bears uh, have Leno and Massey at, at offensive tackle for next next year, but after that, it's kind of wide open. So if they want to draft a kind of a developmental tackle, so that and then he can slide over to, uh, to replace one of them, um, I think he'd be a good choice. And so I wanted to just mention him real quick. March and April are the season of the mock drafts, so uh, mm. I'm sure that that uh, you've got plenty to say about mock drafts. So so <laughs> give give us what you've got. All right, I, I just did this one uh, yesterday. I uh, just used the, the Draft Network uh, draft simulator to kind of make it more realistic. Uh, so my, my first pick, um, I have them taking uh, number 43. I have them taking Jalen Rager from TCU. Um, and that is my dream scenario uh, for the Bears. I do think they should target a wide receiver with that first pick they have uh, because it is such a deep wide receiver class. So you're, Jalen Rager in any other class is going to be a top one, two wide receiver but because this wide receiver draft is so deep you can get him he might be the seventh best wide receiver in this class you get him at 43 i think that'd be a steal um he's going to br- bring athleticism to the bears something they they're missing without uh, gabriel anymore so he's going to be able to take the top off the defense he's also good after the catch so he can work in the screen game we know Matt nagy loves to run screen rod receiver screens he can actually be a weapon in, in that regard so so he's he would be the my first pick at pick number 43 um then at 50, um, it's a guy we've already discussed a little bit today, Colk Met uh, from Notre Dame. Again, he's my top tight end of the class. I think he has the most upside in this class. Um, and at 50, I think that would be a, uh, pretty much a steal. 
Uh, so those are my, sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't say a word. I was letting oh, you sorry. have the floor. Not, not a problem. Did you only do a, a two, uh, two round mock or are you just strictly focusing on the bears? Uh, I'm just, just focusing on the bears, uh, but I, I did the whole thing. I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, um, these later round guys. I'll kind of just mention their names. Um, so, um, in the uh, for a comp pick, I have them picking Alton Robinson. I kind of mentioned him earlier from uh, Syracuse, an edge player. They need more pass rush. He's kind of a project, but he could be a guy who who really explodes and maybe in year two, year three, and maybe has some um, some potential as a situational pass rusher in year one. Um, then in the with pick 145, I have them picking Michael Onwenu from Michigan. Uh, he's an offensive interior offensive lineman. He's going to, you could plug him in at right guard. Um, he might not be um, a starter right away, but he can compete, compete with Alex Barris. He can compete with uh, coward um, and just kind of let the best man win. Uh, he has more starting potential down the road, uh, but he's a guy I really like. Um, then at 176, I have them picking James Morgan quarterback from Florida international. So like I kind of said earlier, I don't, I'm not a big fan of them taking a quarterback in the second round. Um, I'd much rather them take uh, a guy like James Morgan here in, in the uh, in the fifth round, um, kind of de- let him sit, develop him, bring in uh, some competition for Trubisky, and hopefully Morgan can take over down the road. Um, and then just uh, last couple picks, uh, Reggie Robinson, a cornerback from Tulsa. Uh, he tested as the lead athlete at the combine. Um, he again, he played at a small school, so he's got some prove it, uh, proving to do. But I think he'd be a good developmental corner. Um, Francis Barnard, a linebacker from Utah. Um, he's an older prospect. Um, he's, I think he's like almost like 26, but, um, but he's a very instinctual player, not a great athlete, but in the sixth round or seventh round at this point, um, it'd be a good grab just to get him be a good special teams player. Um, and then could, won't, won't hurt you if he has to fill in, even if it's right away. Um, and then lastly, I have them taking Tanner Muse from Clemson. He played safety at Clemson. Um, he's probably not going to play safety in the pros. I like him moving to linebacker, but he kind of fits that. He's kind of a poor man's uh, Kyle Duggar or Jeremy Chin, who I talked about earlier, kind of that bigger safety linebacker hybrid um, who can kind of play more in the box. Um, he might not start right away. He might not ever turn anything, but at the very least, he's going to be a great special teams player. Um, so I'm taking him with my last pick. So question for you. So let's play devil's advocate. Let's say your first yeah. two guys, your, the guys that you have, uh, selected for the Bears in, in at 43 and 50 aren't available, but Claypool is. Do you take I, him? Uh, yeah, I'd take Claypool at, at either, with either one of those picks because um, I think he proved he has the athleticism to, to separate. I think he, I think he'd be a great pick at either 43 or 50. Um, whether they, again, whether they want to play him a wide receiver, tight end, or or just use him as a maybe a, a move tight end, I think that'd be a great pick. One pick that intrigues me in, you know, quarter, or I'm sorry, running backs, you know, Walter Payton was drafted, what, fourth or fifth overall in 1975. And, and of course, he went on to be a legend for the Bears. And, and mm-hmm. not many running backs are selected in the first round any longer, Saquon Barkley being the obvious uh, exception to that rule. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. It really in, intrigues me for a couple of reasons. Number one, I saw almost every game because I live in Wisconsin, uh, and he was just an amazing running back for for the Badgers. But he, you know, had a great offensive line in front of him. But what really caught my eye was this weekend 
is he really showed off his pass catching ability, which was a concern going into the combine because they really didn't use, they being the Badgers, didn't really use him in the passing game all too often. Uh, I would love him as a uh, mid-round, just an upgrade to the position because uh, he's got the speed, he's got the... uh, He's got the the shiftiness. He can get to the edge. He can he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, and quite frankly, after Montgomery, the Bears don't have a running back that can do all of that. Uh, because mm-hmm. you know you whatever you want to do with Tariq Cohen, he's not a between the tackles guy. He's going to get killed right. one of these days. Uh, they're they're pretty much decided that they weren't going to use Patterson. Cordero Patterson as a running back. He's more of a receiver unless he's doing uh, a jet sweep. But then the problem with that is it's predictable right. when when they run the play. So there's the, the defenses are, are set up for that. So they've got to be able mm-hmm. to run some some options off of that formation that won't uh, just broadcast the fact that they're running a jet a jet sweep with Patterson. So he's he's one guy that I haven't heard that I think would be an intriguing selection if he makes it to the to the fourth round. Uh, yeah, I like uh, Jonathan Terrell a lot. Um, I'm actually a, a, a converted Badger fan because I also actually live in Wisconsin. Um, so I watch a lot of Badger games. I, I'm very, I think Jonathan Taylor is a great running back. I don't think he's going to make it to the fourth round. I think if they want him, they'd have to pick him in the second. Um, and I think that's just too rich for me for the running back position. I, I wouldn't take a running back before before day three. Uh, but yeah, no, he would, he would be a great fit for the bears, but I just think they have bigger needs um, at more and more important positions. So I feel like, I, I feel like I would pass on him in the second. Um, and I don't think he'd make it, pay, make it all the way to the bears next pick. So, but he is a great player. I'll give you that. You know, when we take a look at where we are leading into the draft this year, compared to last year, you know, last year, you know, Bear fans' hopes were sky high coming off a 12 and 4 year, uh, and a double doink away from it advancing in the playoffs. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they fell flat on their face when they they started off three and one, and then they ended up losing four straight. So they ended up at the halfway point at three and five. They turned it around a little bit and finished five and three in the second half of the season, but eight and eight is not going to make it to the playoffs. Although with this uh, 17, uh, with the seventh team going into the playoffs, maybe as soon as this year, uh, they were a a missed field goal against San Diego away from being in the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. nine, nine and seven would have made the playoffs uh, with that extra, that extra wildcard team. So, uh, when I see people talking about, and Nagy talked about this, he talked about it last year and he talked about it this year when they they went up to Green Bay in 18 and they lost their first game when they should have won. Then they, they lost the first game against Green Bay. And I cannot stand when a coach gets up and says it's only one game. It's like a 10-game losing streak in baseball. Right. You, you, you might end up at the end of the year regretting that one loss. And there were several one-loss games that the Bears played, both Green Bay games, the San Diego game, just to name three. 
the Oakland game in London is a fourth. They easily could have won all four of those games, but didn't. But yet right. it was just one game, but that one game kept the Bears from making playoffs in 19. And we could be, you know, sporting a different tune despite the fact that Trubisky re- digressed or regressed uh, in 19 over 18. So that one game scenario, we've got to get out of our minds as Bear fans and as coaches, and we have to play to win every single game. Uh, the interesting thing is, obviously, two weeks from now, the season starts in earnest with the opening of free agency. It'll be interesting to see when the quote-unquote legal tampering begins. I believe it begins on Sunday. Um, you know, So that's only a week and a half away from now. And then the draft is the 23rd, which means that the week prior to that, they're going to come out with the schedule. So you know, the, you know these next few weeks are just going to be fun to watch as as NFL fans in general and Bears Bears fans specifically. Um, any words, uh, Steve, about your thoughts on the collective bargaining agreement in the 17th game? <laughs> Yeah, I haven't looked into the, the CBA too much, uh, but just as a just as a as a fan, uh, I, I'm fine with adding a 17th game. I know that I could see why the players would not be, and I could see why there's that contention. In terms of me and that extra playoff spot, that just means more football. So as a football fan, I'm I'm a fan of it. Another extra game, and and then an extra game in the playoffs too. Um, so yeah, I could see why the players don't like it, and then I. I, I do think they're going to come to a compromise and, and get it done. So I'm not worried about a holdout or anything like that. Uh, but in terms of just as a fo- from a football fans uh, point of view, I, th- I think it's great extra games. I, I'm never going to complain about more football. A lot of fans are kind of nervous about this vote that's upcoming, but let's not uh, forget that the CBA goes through this year. So mm-hmm. there is not going to be a work stoppage in 2020. When it comes to the playoffs, I'd much rather end up seeing eight teams in the playoffs rather than seven teams in the playoffs, and here's the reason why. Sure. That that puts a, a too important premium on being the number one seed because mm-hmm. the number one seed now would not play in the first round, and that gives them such an unfair advantage heading into the divisional the round and then the, the uh, NFC or, or the conference championship games. I think that's that's too unfair of an advantage for the, the first seed. Uh, I agree. I, well, I agree with you. It is definitely a huge advantage. Uh, I think eight would probably – I know I just said I'm not going to complain about more football, but I think eight would be just a – maybe too many. I think that would water down the playoffs too much. Uh, it, it would be, a, it would make that number one seed a huge advantage, but at the same time, shouldn't you reward the team that finishes with the best record? Um, so, so I, I, I think seven is a good number uh, for right now. Um, they, they probably will go to eight eventually, but I think for right now, seven would, seven would be good for me. Cause then it, like you said, it does give that one team a huge advantage, uh, but you should get some sort of a reward for winning for having the best record in the conference. So, but, uh, but either way, I think uh, if they did go to eight, I'd be fine with that too. It would now, of course, this year, they're still going to have the seven or the 16 game schedule with one bye week. And they're, they're the thoughts of a 17th game, uh, which is pretty much a lock as long as the CBA goes through and this, this particular vote, I'm not an advocate of the 17 game schedule. 
I would sure. have rather seen it as an 18-game schedule with an extra bye week, and here's the reason why. The way the schedule is currently formatted, you play, of course, home and home against your division. That's six games. You play four games against one entire division in your conference and four games against a, a non-conference division from the American Conference. Then your last two games are, are based on position. So you play, if you finish third, you play the, the third place teams in the two NFC divisions that you're not playing the following year. An 18 game schedule would have made it easier because all you have to do is you can go to the non the two non division games, the, the two division games in the conference that you're playing, make it two in each division and do a one and four versus two in a, in a two and three where they right. play each other. Where's the extra game coming from is, is my question. And yeah. I've seen, I put, I, I suggested a schedule that has come under a lot of uh, uh, people don't like it, but mm -hmm. if you're, if you're going to go with seven teams and the best seven teams, win, let's take each conference and get rid of four divisions and make it an East and a West division. You sure. play every single team in your conference. That's 15 of your 17 games, but that would end the home and home against your division rivals that we've had ever since God was a small child. Right. Uh, and then you'd, you'd play two games. You would play based on the position you finished the year before. You play the if you finish third in the West, you play the third place team in the East and West of the AFC. There's 17 games. The second idea that I've I've seen and talked about is going to the AFC and making that the, the game that you play uh, on alternate years, home versus away. So rather than trying to, to figure out who the Bears are going to play this year or next year, let's just just tag each division in the AFC, Division One, Two, Three, and Four. So you play Division One one year, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So in the years you played division one, you play the team that finished with the same record from division three the following year. So okay. that way you never have to play the same AFC team twice, two years in a row. Uh, and then that would be the game that you alternate your home and away against. Right. Putting you on the spot, because we didn't talk about this before the <laughs> recording, if you had to choose between those two schedules, which one would you choose and why? Oh, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't prep for this, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I like the, the second one with, with, um, with the divisions. I just feel like the way you explained that, it, it, it flowed a little bit, a little bit better. Um, I, the, the thing, and I do agree with you on the 18 game thing. I think that makes a lot more sense than 17 games. 17, I mean, as, as much as I'm a fan of it, seven, it the, there are too many logistical problems to, to 17 games. Uh, so, so you play 17 games, so that means some teams are going to have nine home games, some teams are going to have eight. There's it, it, just too much. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I think the second one you go to, what you mentioned about splitting it into, rating kind of the divisions and splitting it into just conferences. As long as the Bears still play the Packers. I'm, I'm fine with that. 
you you can't you can't have well if you went to the the 17 game schedule where you played every team in the conference you'd always be playing Green Bay the only thing is you would play them once at home and then the following year on the road so you would only be get to see the Packers in Chicago every other year yeah so there's there's two you know it'll be interesting to see what they come up with yeah yeah i gotta see i gotta see more i honestly have not looked into it that much so i have to i have to uh do a little bit more digging on that but um but you i I liked both your ideas so steve uh, we uh we'd love to have you back right before the draft uh, absolutely of course we've got free agency that will be done um and it will kind of clear up some things Heading into April 23rd, uh, April 23rd is uh, is a Thursday, of course. So uh, it's going to be interesting. We'd love to have you back either on the 22nd or on Tax Day, the 15th, uh, for for another another recording. So uh, yep. before we let before we let you go, Steve, tell us where we can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's I'm, I'm pretty active pretty much every day. It's Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Letizia, L-E-T-I-Z-I-A. That's my Twitter handle. So you can find me there. And also, also I'm writing for the Chicago Audible, uh, chicagoaudible.com. I should uh, be pretty active on there with, uh, with the draft coming up. So you can find me in both those places. Steve Letizia, thank you so much for joining the uh, Halitech Hall Show. We'll be right back to finish up our podcast with Aaron talking about none other than George Hallis on our history subject when we come back right after a message from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of TickSplits? Who? TickSplits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TixBlitz.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. All right, TickSplits.com. Thank you, our sponsor. Ever since we started this show almost a year ago, save 5% by using promo code TAILGATE. That's all caps, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Uh, welcome back, Aaron. We're uh, we're going to now talk the last part of our show, our history segment. Uh, we started a couple of weeks ago going over the retired jersey numbers of the Bears, starting in numerical order. Uh, this week, it's none other than number seven. We know him as Mr. Everything. We know him as Papa Bear. We know him as the the guy who was at the Hupmobile dealership in Canton, Ohio, when the NFL was formed, none other than Papa Bear George Hallis. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? Uh, there's few guys that uh, or men um, that had more to do with the NFL than him. Uh, you know, he's definitely the, the, uh, the, the father of the league itself and obviously of the team. So, I mean, you know, you could you could talk from now till till you uh, expired, and you probably would have not even scratched the surface of what you could say about uh, about George Hallis. Well, we can start off by saying he was born in Chicago on February second, uh, 1895. He t- attended the University of Illinois. 
Uh, he was a uh, uh, intern at an electric company in 1915 in Chicago, and he was running late one morning. He was supposed to board the SS Eastland uh, for the uh, for a little commute. Uh, he missed the boat. One of the first, one of the only times he's missed the boat, figuratively uh, and actually. Uh, the Eastland capsized that, capsized that morning, killing over 800 people. Uh, George Hallis was actually listed as one of the deceased by Chicago newspapers, and some of his, his frat brothers went to his house to pay their respects to the Hallis family, only to find George Hallis opening the door. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, he led he led the uh, the University of Illinois to the Big Ten Championship in 1918. He signed on to the Navy as an ensign. Uh, he was he was training at uh, Great Lakes uh, Naval Station in just north of Chicago, and they formed a football team that actually won the Rose Bowl in 1919. Uh, and he was named most valuable player of the Rose Bowl. He caught a touchdown pass and he returned an interception 77 yards. Uh, and then after that, 1919 was a hell of a year for George. He, he was the Rose Bowl MVP. He, was, he played baseball. Uh, he ended up playing in the New York Yankees minor league system, got elevated to the, to the major league team, played right field. Uh, legend has that uh, he injured his hip on a slide into third base on a on a triple was never the same, and he was replaced by none other than Babe Ruth in the New York Yankee outfield. Uh, he moved back to the uh, Illinois area and he played for a minor league team uh, called the Hammond Pros down in Indiana. In 1920, he was uh, he signed on with a a starch company in Decatur, and that's where the history began. He was uh, he was running their baseball team for them, and uh, A.E. Staley decided to form a football team, and he gave it to Hallis to run. Uh, Hallis picked uh, the colors for the team, patterned after his alma mater of Illinois, of orange and blue. He ended up being, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, he was one of the representatives uh, at the uh, uh, Hupmobile dealership in Canton, Ohio, that was the founding of what was going to be the NFL. And they joined the league in 1920 as the Decatur Staley's. Uh, even though they had a great year, the, uh, they ran into some money problems. And Staley decided to give the team to Hallis. He gave him $5,000. Uh, to move the team to Chicago, where they would get hopefully better crowds, which of course they did. Uh, the the only codicil to the agreement was they had to keep the name Staley's for at least the first year uh, that they moved to Chicago. So they became the Chicago Staley's and won their first championship. They renamed the team after the Cubs because the the George Hallis had struck an agreement with the, the Cubs ownership to play their games at Wrigley Field. And thinking that the Bears, uh, his football players were a little bit bigger and burlier uh, than baseball counterparts. And the Cubs team was, uh, the Chicago team was the Cubs. Since we're bigger and stronger and burlier, 
we're going to call the team the Bears in the Bears. Chicago Bears were born in 1922. George Hallis coached for 40 years. He also was a player coach early on in his career. He still holds the record for the longest fumble recovery for a touchdown in franchise history. 98 yards set in 1923. And in fact, that not only is a Bears record, but it stood as an NFL record for the longest fumble recovery all the way up until 1972. It's been broken a couple other times since, but uh, just an absolutely legendary playing career and a legendary coaching career. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think he is... um a great American story, um, you know, uh, didn't, uh, come from, from any great means and really, uh, built himself up and, and really risked what little he had to, to, to build the NFL. Um, you know, and of course we've talked about before the, the story of him saving the Packers franchise, um, you know, and it's, uh, it's just something that, uh, you know, he, he really believed in it. And, and I think people sort of have this idea that the, that the NFL and football at that time was was anywhere close to what it is now. And it just wasn't. I mean, it, it you know, people viewed, um, I mean, a large amount of, the, of, of society at that time viewed football as, you know, sort of this uh, savage ancillary pursuit that, you know, uh, people shouldn't um, get involved in or, you know, um, so he was definitely, uh, you know, a, a visionary, uh, a maverick, uh, a risk taker, um, you know, a guy that, um, you know, uh, stepped out and, and really forged out. And, and I think um, one of the cool things about him is that he did have, you know, as a lot of these guys have is that they have um, a lot of quotes, a lot of great quotes. Um, so I thought I brought, I brought a couple of quotes, um, you know, um, that are pretty great. One is um, many people flounder about in life because they do not have a purpose and objective towards which to work. And it's like, well, that's that sounds really simple, but it's true. Um, you know, and I think that's that's the, the mentality. His image and his mentality is something that the Bears still represent. And so when people sort of say, well, <clears throat> You know, what is what are the Bears? They still think of this blue collar, you know, running team defense. You know, they never think of flashy. They never think of fluff. They think of that. And I think that's what you get, um, you know, and that's you get that because Hallis. I mean, you know, you just have this image of him standing there, you know, having this look and, and this air about him, um, you know, and uh, I think that. Um, it's the kind of thing that, as mu- as big as he is, I don't know if most Bears fans and myself included really ever take the time to to learn about who he is, about who he was, and to realize how much of his life and his legacy still permeate everything about the Bears. Um, and and some would argue that that's that has its downside but i think for the most part it's what you know it's it's what the bears are no most known for um is being a a charter franchise and you know uh it's it's kind of why 
you do things like keep the columns around the stadium and you do those some of those things and as much as you know as we get older and we see other things we might want to criticize that that's you know that the history is something that that always has to be maintained of the with the bears and you cannot write the history of the nfl you can't write the history of the bears without without talking about george you're on mute you're on mute You brought up briefly about how George Hale has saved the Packer franchise. He he loaned the Lambos money to make payroll twice in the 30s. Uh, otherwise, that that team was this close to, uh, to actually folding because they were they were not making any money. Uh, Green Bay then decided to look for other ways to to generate revenue. They ended up playing some of their games in Milwaukee to generate more interest in a bigger crowd because Green Bay was still back in the 30s, is you know, and it's still the smallest market in the NFL. Uh, in the 1950s, the you know the city of Milwaukee was pressuring Green Bay to come and, and play full time in Milwaukee. The league started to pressure Green Bay. To, to play their games full-time in Milwaukee. Milwaukee didn't have a major league baseball team. They had a minor league team for what was the Boston Braves, and they ended up building what was County Stadium, and there's probably a lot of our listeners that don't even have a clue that there used to be a baseball field prior to what is Miller Park today. It was across the street from, from the... Uh, the current facility, they built it in the late 50s, and they were trying to draw the Packers full-time. They ended up bringing in the the Boston Braves as a baseball team, and they became the Milwaukee Braves, uh, who then, of course, in the early 60s, they they won a World Series in Milwaukee, and then two years later, they ended up moving to Atlanta, uh, and they're still the Atlanta Braves to, to this day. Green Bay, the city of Green Bay was just had their hands in their pockets when Green Bay Packers went to them to say, hey, let's build a stadium. And it wasn't until George Hallis went to the city council and spoke in front of the city council and Green Bay ended up passing unanimously a bond referendum to build what was to be called City Stadium, which was the name of the stadium at a high school that they were playing their home games at. They renamed it Lambeau Field when Curly Lambeau passed away in the early 60s, and the rest is history. They continued to play all three of their games in Milwaukee until Lambeau Field went through renovation after renovation after renovation, and finally in the mid-90s, they had more seating capacity than County Stadium did. So, you know, the Green Bay Packers owe a huge debt of gratitude to George Hallis. George Hallis also pioneered revenue sharing in the league, thinking that what was best for the team was also best for the league. And he started sharing his his TV rights as he was televising his games, at least the road games in Chicago. And he started sharing that revenue with with other teams. And Pete Rozelle took that concept to a whole new level when he was the commissioner of the league. So 
it's amazing when you you see what George Halas did not only for the Bears but for the good of his friend the Lambos and the Green Bay Packers and ultimately the entire NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think uh, uh, Pack, Packer fans that have any um, interest in history realize that, you know, um, as much as the Packers and the Bears hate each other, uh, they do owe the Bears a debt of gratitude. Um, and, you know, like I said, Packer fans um, who, who know about history have a uh, still have a respect for um, for George Hallis and for for the Bears organization. Um, and, you know, honestly, why should they hate the Bears? Uh, it's 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 free. It's two free victories a year every year for them almost anyway. So what's <laughs> what's the hate about that? <laughs> Be nice. Be nice. <laughs> There is another huge part of the Bears-Packers legacy that we haven't even mentioned yet. Green Bay was struggling in the late 50s, and they're getting ready to open up their new stadium. Uh, The Bears were actually the very first regular season game at the new stadium in Green Bay. Uh, And they were in search of a coach. In the back in the late 50s, and George Hallis said, "You need to look at this assistant coach, up and coming. He's coaching for the New York Giants. They brought him in. They interviewed him. He became the head coach in the late 50s. And Vince Lombardi ended up winning five NFL championships in the 60s for the Packers. And if you take those five championships away from Green Bay." Who's to say that that the Bears don't win another one or two championships in the 60s? So let's take a look. 13 minus 5 is 8. 8 plus 2 is 11. Or 9 plus 2 is 11. eleven. So the Bears would be far and away the, the team in the NFL with the most championships. But they bequeathed that, that title when they ended up getting Lombardi as their head coach and the rest is history for the Green Bay franchise. So, yeah, to, to say to say that Green Bay owes a debt of gratitude uh, to, to one George Hallis just doesn't even begin to tell the, the entire story. What do you think? I mean, I think some of the more interesting things, too, are later on, you know, um, the story of how Muggs, you know, his son Muggs kind of became the team president um you know that that and then of, of course unfortunately tragically died of a heart attack at 54 um you know there was um i mean we talk about chasing i think that that uh palace uh you know did a little bit of that towards later in life you know um you know when he when he left left this coach and, you know, and then sort of, uh, you know, kind of stayed around as team president, maybe a little longer than he should have. And, you know, and then, and then it says, you know, as you read, you know, you talk about, um, uh, that, that mugs, his son convinced him to bring in Jim Finks. Um, and you know, that sort of turned the team around. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. George Hallis never really recovered when when Muggsy uh, died suddenly. It, and, and you know, the I was at Soldier Field right after his passing, and and there was just this empty feeling in the stadium 
when the, you know when Muggsy was uh, you know when the, the announcement came out that he had had passed away from a heart attack, uh, you know you're you're absolutely right. Uh, George was giving more and more responsibility to Muggsy at the time. Uh, the move to bring Jim Feeks in was probably the best thing that he did later in his his coaching or his ownership. Uh, and then, of course, uh, he received a letter when the Bears were looking for a head coach. He received a letter from a former player uh, saying, hey, give me a shot. And in 1982, he hires Mike Ditka as their head coach. And, of course, the head coaching career of, of the coach became legendary. Uh, didn't do so well. Uh, you know, he, he uh, there was a strike shortened year in there where they only won three games. Then they were eight and eight. Then they were 10 and six. And then they won the Super Bowl in 1985. But uh, um, on Halloween of 1983, um, Papa Bear died. He, uh, you know, he ended up uh, dying from pancreatic cancer. And uh, the team was uh, given, obviously, Virginia now is the owner, uh, although it was supposed to have been Muggsy. And then, you know, the, the kids, the McCaskey children started to take over. You know, they were in large part within in office roles already. And, and Mike McCaskey ended up um, being the, the focal point, And he was an absolute disaster. Uh, and then, of course, in today's world, we all know about George McCaskey. Uh, and, you know, the the problems that the Bears have with uh, going back to Mike Ditka in his playing days, talking about uh, how how thrifty uh, George is. You know, he throws nickels around like manhole covers and and that stigma of the Bears being a cheap organization still lives on to this day, even though they're not. Right. You know, they, they, spend, they spend their money. Sometimes they spend their money uh, ill-advised, like, like Mike Glennon, as an example, or Cody Parkey, as another example. But George Hallis, um, you know, he was a visionary in his time. And quite frankly, the league wouldn't be where the league is today without George Hallis in it. Um, you know, one of the, the things that that um, I have talked about, and it kind of sounds a little selfish, but I guarantee you that had George Hallis passed away prior to Vince Lombardi passing away, the NFL trophy for the Super Bowl would be the George Hallis trophy. You know, it just absolutely, I, I have no doubt in my mind that, that George Hallis should be the name on that, that Super Bowl trophy. Um, you know, I'll get a lot of grief from that from my from my Packer fans up here in Wisconsin. But it is what it is. You know, take a look at his, his career. You know, he was, he was a player coach. He played baseball. He played basketball. He, in 40 years... As a head coach for the Bears, you know how many winning seasons he had? I think like over 30, right? Something he only like he only had six losing wow. seasons in his 40 years of, of head coaching. That's, That's amazing. That's 85% of every single season he ever coached 
he had a winning record. And I don't mm-hmm. think you can touch that anywhere. Right. He still ranks first all time in winning percentage as head coach with a 682 winning percentage as a as a head coach. Yeah, and look at look at all of the players that have have he coached or he touched that ended up in the NFL Hall of Fame. He was one of what three or four Bears that were in the inaugural list in 1963. The last time, ironically, that he won a championship as a Bears coach was the year the Hall of Fame opened, and he was one of the founding the inaugural members of, of that team. Uh, did you know that George Halas owned a basketball team? I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, he owned, uh, it was a fledgling league called the American Basketball League in the uh, 20s and 30s. Um, it was called the Chicago Bruins. Uh, they disbanded the team. They played it from 1925 to 1931. They, they disbanded the team because of the Great Depression. They brought it he brought it back in 1939 as, as the economy turned around, but then was disbanded again in 1942 when he went into World War II. So he participated in two world wars. He was, he was in World War I in his, in his early 20s, and he was in World War II uh, in the 40s, some 30 years later. Uh, he after the world after World War was over and he returned, uh, he actually met with the General Eisenhower and, and some other big wigs in the military, and he decided to have what was who it came to be known as the Armed Forces Benefit Game, which was a preseason game. Uh, they usually played the Cardinals uh, in Chicago at Soldier Field, ironically, because. Uh, you know, it, it had a bigger stadium capacity than Wrigley Field. And, of course, Wrigley Field was not ready for football because it was still baseball season. Uh, and they, they donated a boatload of money, uh, you know, to, to military. So just absolutely, you know, a, a total visionary. His ideas um, for passing his his uh, formate the T formation that he invented in the 40s dominated the, the league for throughout the 40s uh, just one amazing man that dedicated to his life you had brought up a, one of his quotes and actually I have uh, a quote on my Facebook page uh, on my intro it says nothing in work Nothing is work unless you'd rather be doing something else, George Halas. And I, I try to I try to live by that. You know, yeah. you got you, you know if you if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And uh, between my my full time job and and this and uh, my ticket venture, it's uh, I just I just love life. You know, it's sixty. I'll be sixty three next month, and and I I'm probably at a stage in my life where I couldn't be happier. So um, it, it is what it is, you know. George Hallis was truly, truly uh, a remarkable man. Uh, he is uh, he's in, entombed at a cemetery in Niles. Uh, I'm not going to give the name of it just for the privacy of the family. You can look it up on Wikipedia if you choose to. Uh, but uh, George Hallis, my hats off to you. Um, the name of my show, Halitech Hall, is a play on the words. 
Hallis Hall, which is the headquarters uh, for the Bears. And last but not least, he is held in such high regard by the league that the NFL's Hall of Fame is located on George Hallis Drive in Canton, Ohio. Absolutely. I mean, you, you uh, great, great stuff from you. Um, and like I said, you can't, I mean, we could, we could have a, a weekly show just dedicated to him <laughs> if we wanted to, you know, we, we wouldn't run, we wouldn't run out of material. I, we might run out of listeners at some point, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we would definitely wouldn't run out of material because uh, what a life uh, he had. For the sure. bear, the absolutely. The Bears put out a huge centennial scrapbook um, mm-hmm. be, be, during the uh, the preseason last year. And if you want to learn more about George Hallis and learn more about the Bears, there's I would definitely buy that book. And um, there's a book uh, that was penned by, I think it's Pearson. Um, I have it downstairs um, on my uh, on my bear shelves in my man cave. Uh, and uh, it's the title of it is simply Hallis by Hallis. It's a it's an autobiography talks about he, he goes down to receipts for different league years in, in his in his early the early uh, times of, of the league. And he goes over the barnstorming with the with the. Uh, Red Grange, and uh, there's so many different stories that that if you really want to dig in to the surface that we just scratched, that is the history of George Hallis, I really would tell you, listen to our show because we're going to talk about history just about on every episode. But take the time to to look into these these books, and there's there's several of them. Uh, you can't you definitely. I promise you, you can't go wrong if you if you want to learn more about about the Chicago Bears, but by reading about none other than George Hallis. Yes, sir. Well, uh, I guess that that should wrap us up, right? Thanks to our guest uh, Stephen Letizia. Of course, uh, thanks to TickSplits.com for their continued support. Um, you can go on, and when you're looking for tickets for anything uh, you could possibly imagine that tickets are available for, you can use the promo code TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all caps. You can save 5% off your order. And um, anything else you want to add uh, there, Mr. Haltech? Absolutely. There are several different ways you can find our podcast. Uh, Aaron usually has it uploaded by Friday. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Podbean. The episode link is on our Twitter page. We have a, a Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com slash Hall. And every single episode is listed there. And last but not least, there's an app called Sports Zone Chicago. And our current episode runs every Saturday morning uh, on Sports Zone Chicago. You can also find Sports Zone Chicago on Facebook. Aaron, another great show. Next week, uh, we're going to go over, I believe, uh, our next, uh, next in line is, is Willie Gallimore who played for the Bears in the 50s and 60s. He died tragically in a car accident on his way to training camp after the 1963 uh, season. So they were heading to Rensselaer, Indiana, 
and the, his car was involved in an accident on their way with Bo Farrington, a Bears wide receiver. So we'll go into a little bit of uh, one of the most exciting running backs that you probably, as a as a newcomer to the Bears, and I'm talking if you're even if you're 20s or 30s or 40s, that's one guy you know very little about. So we're going to shed some light on the playing career of uh, Willie Gallimore, number 28. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support. Please, uh, if you have time to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you hear it on, that does help us out. We do appreciate that. And uh, have a great week. 